is ADHD actually an illness? Like, is the public classroom setting life? No. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate. Relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. As a twice-diagnosed ADHD person, once as a child and once as an adult, I adopt a social model of disability where rather than see a person as disabled for having a different human experience, I view the centering of certain types of people in society and the constructing of society around the supposed ideal, able person to be the thing that is disabling. ADHD can cause horrific executive dysfunction and can absolutely be a detriment, especially if you experience rejection-sensitive dysphoria, which I experience in small amounts. Some folks experience it in really, really intense big amounts. I tend to experience it in small to moderate amounts. It's pretty hard to describe rejection-sensitive dysphoria as small. Uh, But what I will say is it's a deeply upsetting experience similar to social anxiety. And this is to say nothing of the actual social stigma and the anxiety of the social stigma of having ADHD. So there's that social piece. There's the stigma around having ADHD and what that can lead to, for example, like WebMD lists children with ADHD as receiving about 20,000 additional negative messages about themselves during childhood, which definitely impacts self-esteem. So it's no surprise that embarrassment and rejection-sensitive dysphoria happen. And I should also mention that rejection-sensitive dysphoria is separate from having a low self-esteem. However, I will get back on topic now. Today we're going to be talking with someone who does not have ADHD, but I figured it would be a better introduction for a general audience than to have two people with ADHD. Maybe that was a mistake, but I don't think it was. I hope you enjoy seeing the fallible version of me being with me along for the journey of self-discovery while I speak with Rachel here on Intimate Interactions. I would like to intro everyone to another episode of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Rachel, and we're talking about mental illness and ADHD. Hi. Um, Rachel, you were, just, you were just saying how ADHD, while it's like a real situation people experience and live with, you were like, is this really an illness? Like, there's so many positives to it. Yeah. And I agree completely, and I would love to hear you talk. Do you, do you have ADHD, first of all? Not that I know of. Um, I, I, I believe that it could be sort of a, a, a circumstance and present issues when, you know, you're a parent and your kids' grades are, are not there and you're, they're, sure. they're suffering because of it. And, like, I just, like, in the real world, to me, I just see so many – I guess I shouldn't question whether it's a mental illness. That, I, that is not why – that is not the discussion, I think – Sure, sure. It's warranted, but rather, I gotta tell you, I mean, it, to me, it seems like more of your, you know how they say like humans only use a certain amount of their brain. I don't know what percentage of it is. Small. It's under like 20. At at any one given time. Yeah. But I mean, over the course of like multiple tasks, you'll use more of your total brain. You just don't use all of it at once. Well, it seems to me that there is just such capacity and, and more mm-hmm. use of neurons than the average brain. And to me, there is an energy that comes with that. There is a, there's a fearlessness that comes with that. And I don't know. I think that, that, that riding the coattails of, of one with ADHD will, A, it will not be dull, but B, you're going to learn something because that person is able to tune into well, just to think differently, well, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, I hear, I hear, I hear, I don't know. It, to me, it's, um, 
not everyone on the team has to be focused on taking notes for the meeting. Not like that's why yeah. that's what a team is. A team is everyone bringing different strengths to the table. And if you don't have someone who's able to um, basically have like like spider eyes on the world to see all the things mm-hmm. happening, you're you're going to be at a deficit. Your team is going to be at a deficit. What do you think? Yeah, no, as somebody with ADHD, I agree. There are certain things I do really well and certain things I do not do really well. And it's not that I can't do those certain things. It's that they take a lot of spoons. Like I've got to focus, I've got to put a lot more energy into focusing on a task where someone who doesn't have ADHD would just be able to do the task. Like my, my, uh, my ability to self-motivate is much more heavily slanted towards what I'm interested in than a neurotypical person. So what that means is, on the one side, you know, if I've got to do the dishes, like, that's a thing I can do. Um, it's going to be easier for somebody who doesn't have ADHD to do that, uh, depending on what their specific symptoms of ADHD are, because they can be quite varied. But on the flip side, if I've got to research, I don't know, metal oxide conducting semi- sorry, metal oxide semiconducting field effect transistors, like MOSFETs, I can research that. I can research that for like potentially hours and be genuinely interested in what I'm doing. If you ask someone without ADHD who's neurotypical to be like, hey, find a sciencey thing you're sort of interested in and then try and spend an hour researching it, I'm going to finish that research and not be especially tired. They're probably going to finish that research and be more tired than I am because I have the ability to self motivate through interest really effectively the problem is i depend on that ability so a lot of my self-motivation is like figuring out how to make it interesting for myself or like how to pretend i'm interested even when i'm not which is how i made it through university so like when you let's let me ask you a question if if you personally are disinterested in something Mm -hmm. your is your value system therefore like if it's interesting yes in other words it's like an energy thing so like how much emotional energy does it require for me to do a thing like what's the energy of activation to start doing a task Uh, and i think for people with adhd the energy of activation like to get the ball rolling to try a task can sometimes feel so insurmountable you just can't do the task so you end up in situations where like you're like yeah all i have to do is go outside to the post office and post this letter but that's not what you have to do you have to motivate yourself to get out of bed you have to take off the sweaty clothes you're wearing go have a shower get dressed brush your teeth make breakfast eat breakfast brush your teeth again because you did things out of order you know what i mean like it's it's all of that zone and there might be multiple, like, in order to go to the post office, a task like that is low-value interest. And, and not just that it's low-value interest. It's actually many complicated tasks that are all demanding on your executive function. And with ADHD, executive function is one of the big deficits you have. Like, your ability to make yourself do things that you don't want to do is is the lay definition of executive function. I might have to look it up, but hmm. um, but you can Google it. But basically, executive function is, like, how can you, like functionally execute something like how can you make yourself do a thing how can you be like i know what i need to do to reach my goals i just need to drop this letter off at the post office go apply for those jobs Mm -hmm. um come home eat a healthy lunch go for a run um you know shower go out you know look for some jobs online and then maybe go drop some resumes if you thought about that day and you were like okay that's the thing i could do and also, how would I have how would I face that if I was depressed, if I was really low on spoons, if I didn't have the emotional energy or how would I face that if my resume weren't up to date? Mm-hmm. Right. Like now you have a task where you don't know how long it's going to take you to do. And if you're not especially good with technology or writing or resumes or you find the whole thing anxiety inducing, all of a sudden your day of dropping resumes turns into, you know, sitting in, in your sweats at home trying to make yourself update your resume and you spend four hours trying to do that and then you spend two hours trying to get ready and then you're like ready and you've got your makeup done you're like good to go out and you're like oh it's too late now i'm just not gonna go right (laughs) it's like it's that crap right except with adhd depending on your symptoms um my experience is there's a lot you know to quote jean chrétien there's a lot of that um there's just a lot more of that um yeah, wow. So I 
it makes me think of, of, of a couple things that I do when my my value my interest of value is low like if it could mm-hmm. be washing dishes things like that like I um I don't want to live in squalor I don't want to see dishes in the sink it actually makes me kind of sick but me, oh wow okay but me getting to to do them like I have to be um it's a special motivation <laughs> but um I do get off. I do go on a lot of trails and get down a lot of rabbit holes. Um, and mm. one that's kind of like a similar to what you're describing. And I, I find that one of the things that, um, one has to do, whether you have ADHD on paper or not, is you have to outsource and lean on folks that if you have a support network to say like, Hey, I cannot start on this resume. Like I fucking can't, I'm sick right. of it. I hate it. I hate this process. Can you take a look at this for me and give me some feedback? So mm-hmm. I'm starting place, stuff like that. Like outsourcing is a really great tool. And I am sure that there are people who find that much more. Uh, and then all of a sudden you find, you ask the universe or something like that. And all of a sudden, Oh yeah, I used to be a recruiter. Oh no shit. You know, I have <laughs> yeah, totally. where, yeah, where that happened, where it was like, why didn't I start this sooner? And I got really great feedback. I got, you know, I mean, really useful feedback, which actually made the process more interesting because I was like, oh, like this document is, is quite important. And I wasn't able to see that. So thank you. And they got mm-hmm. me in the direction. And so outsourcing. And so I'm saying like, am I about the dishes? Can I outsource that? Me? If I financially, if I could hire someone to do that? Yeah. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's there's this other game that I play and and that is it's a it's the trade off game. Um, one is I happen to have a partner who's like really fast at shit. So like I almost like it, I, I, I'm in a great situation where I can see her doing something super fast, whereas I would probably take several hours to do that thing because I would just like be like, oh, but that that component needs to be blue. Before I move forward, let me make that blue so the rest of, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. have a little touch, a little something. But um, I play this game with myself where I'm like, um, if I imagine yourself, the future you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the future you would love for that sink to be empty or, you know, the future you would love for that laundry to be put away or that oil change to be done. Because a you got it, your future you would be really mad at you if you if you transmit if you broke your transmission because you didn't have oil, or mm-hmm. or you're you're gonna have the future you're gonna have so much more headspace if that laundry pot gets put away, and so by doing mm-hmm. that I'm taking care of future me, because um, that's all I can, that's all I can do. Um, no one's gonna take care of future me, but me. And mm-hmm. there's almost like a trade off. Like okay, me now thinks that's the that is absolutely not important and i just tuned my guitar so let me go um relearn that song i was thinking about (laughs) you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but future me is going to breathe easier and wouldn't it be a wonderful experience to share this space with somebody else and like all these others so it's the trade-off game it's a tool right yeah I i feel like with with adhd there's the whole challenge that the first resource you mentioned like people relationships a hundred percent super valuable and also some adhd folks really struggle to maintain relationships because Mm -hmm. of two factors one of them is rejection sensitive dysphoria which is this component of adhd where you like are super sensitive to rejection so Mm -hmm. like again this can come from trauma it can come from Anxiety, it can come from lots of other places. So, like, having this doesn't mean you have ADHD, but people with ADHD also have this to varying degrees, depending on the human. For me, I have a little bit of this. Not tons, but enough. <laughs> you don't need much RSD to feel terrible about having it, or rather, feel terrible when you're in the throes of it. But basically, it's like when someone gives you a minor rejection, you're natural like immediate reaction is to like spiral to just amplify it and spiral uncontrollably um and 
you can treat this and make it better with CBT, like the same way you would with social anxiety. Um, but there's always an element of that, at least for me, that's present. So like this, fee- this mistaken belief or feeling of deep knowing that like mm. maybe one day I'll end up, you know, alone and penniless on the street homeless and just with like nobody who loves me or cares about me and it's such an unrealistic um notion like there's no reason that would happen like i have people who love me in the world i have friends that i'm good friends with and i have people where i know like if i was destitute i could go and be like hey do you mind if i crash on your couch and take a shower so i can go to a job interview like I have people like that would help me, but that rejection sensitivity sometimes is like, okay, I need to breathe, (laughs) take, take a minute to distract myself from this and break this like spiral Mm. and focus on like, I don't want to say reality because I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like you're detached from reality, but to some extent I feel like I am when I'm having these like catastrophizing thoughts. And like, I've been in talk therapy on and off for 10 years. Like I am medicated for depression right now. Um, and I'm looking at getting medicated for ADHD now that I have a formal diagnosis, but it's like, again, cause I've had two formal diagnoses in my life as a child. And then as an adult confirming, but it's like, it's really challenging. So that, that makes it hard to have relationships because when people are like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to have to bail on today. Like, I'm just not feeling up to it. You're like, well, are they not feeling up to me? Are they not feeling up to a movie? Are they not feeling up to today? Right. So RSD can negatively. I'm I'm usually the one. I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's like, wow, we did have plans. And I got to tell you, all I want to do today is sit around in my sweatpants and just fill up my battery. And some people I find are like, cool bro we'll figure it out and then some 100 percent not they they need the they need the context like wait a minute are mm-hmm. you why are you bailing on me is this a bail is this a what did i do something did i say something and um yeah that, they need to hear this is about me not about you almost right but that but then also wouldn't it be just nice if everyone could say hey um totally had we had plans we had we we're gonna do this thing in concept i'm loving it just want to let you know i for me today i need this time to recharge myself i love you i will figure this out and we will plan something similar again instead of like i'm out (laughs) you know maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's almost like coming at things from more of a trauma-informed place to be able Uh to okay yeah like to be able to share with folks like like just to add some context, like I'm not just bailing on you and ghosting you like other people might have in the past. Right. Cause some people are especially sensitive if they've had relationships end that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm not the most trauma informed person to be perfectly honest. I, I feel like I still blunder into situations. Um, I have been described as emotionally clumsy, for example. And I think part of that is just me trying to learn how to be a human and to learn other humans because humans be complicated. Like we are so I think what we're also talking about though, we're talking about ADHD, but we're yes. talking about it at the intersection of other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like there's no such thing. It sounds like as just someone who like just has like an attention issue. I mean, it sounds like there's, there's probably, an intersection of trauma there's probably an intersection of like what it feels like to be isolated from those who aren't as i want to say intelligent or brave sure. uh, also it could be a day-to-day thing where have you have you heard of the social model of disability no tell me about it so so social model of disability, just to give you like a framework of where I'm coming at when I'm thinking about ADHD, is yeah. this idea that like people aren't quote unquote disabled. Society is normative and built for only certain types of people. And it's the social model of how we think people should be that disables people, mm. not their differences. So, for example, um, this yeah. I think one of the simpler examples. Yeah. One of the simpler examples is like if you're a human in a wheelchair and this doesn't have to be that you quote unquote can't walk or anything, even pick someone with EDS. Um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, where, you know, your joints 
are just like you don't you don't i think there might be different kinds but folks i know that have eds have like a gene they don't make so or that they don't have so they can't make certain connective tissue so all their connective tissue is varying degrees of fucked at varying points in their life um it's a terrible disability to have and it's often considered an invisible disability because you can get up out of a chair and walk around for a bit if you want to tax your body and to varying degrees people with eds can or can't depending on how high pain day they're having or you know how desperately they need to get up and walk around but the point i'm making is say you need to be in a wheelchair um, for any number of reasons and you need to go get something from the pharmacy there's the whole idea of like okay you're in your chair you're in your living room how are you going to get to the pharmacy and back and it's like, if the if the society is set up for individuals like you, there'll be an elevator in your building. There'll be ramps everywhere you need to go. You'll be able to go to the pharmacy. Everything will be at a reasonable height for you to be also able to access. Um, you'll be able to get in the door. You'll be able to, you know, use any light switches if you have to use the washroom. There'll be a washroom big enough to accommodate your chair. Um, you start thinking about all of these little obstacles that people have to think about if they're experiencing this social disability, a society that isn't built for them. That's a really different conversation than saying, oh, this person doesn't have this ability and they can't access these things versus saying we have built these things inaccessible to some humans mm -hmm. and just accepting that there are different experiences of the human experience. So from the context of ADHD, then... Yeah. And, and that model, that theory, that, that, uh, I, I don't even know if I explained it well, but that's like no, how that's, I understand it. I'm not an expert. Me. So like, take me through then. Sure. You and your, um, your ADHD, take me on a walk to the post office. Right. On a, so on for... a day, on a day when. How is the world built and what is it actually like for you and what are the things that like us as humans or physical landscapes? Such a good question. How would we, if we could re-engineer re it, what would it take us to the post office? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously there are going to be some jobs that certain people with certain skill sets are just better suited for. And as someone with ADHD, there are modifications I can make to be on time and they take a lot of energy for me. I do best at jobs where I am allowed to show up at work when, you know, plus or minus 15 minutes or even plus or minus 30 minutes from my start time. And the job only cares about me doing the work. So in other words, it's if product, I can, it's the quality, it's as zero to do with the fucking clock. Right. Yeah. So it's literally like, do you produce this work? So jobs like in software work better for me, even though I'm not a developer, because, you know, you can hit a timer and you can time, you can just show your deliverables. You're like, I did the things and you hand in the things and the person's like, cool, thank you for doing the things today. Right. Um, you know, Here's the money has been things. sent. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't do so well at jobs. Like if I have to show up at a place on time and stand there all day and be there for eight hours and then close everything up and go home and it's exactly the same every day. Oh, that is a hard grind for me. And I mean, I know that it's a hard grind for just about anybody like that isn't I don't think that's anyone's desired career um, for the rest of their lives. It's something that we sort of we take those jobs as we are required to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for people with ADHD, like that's almost a special kind of hell. Like I don't tend to fall. As, I mean, there, there are definitely times when I'm literally sitting in my chair falling asleep because I'm so bored. Um, but like other people have reported that symptom worse. Um, just like, again, if your brain isn't stimulated enough, you can't remain engaged. So it's that it's the opposite of being interested. If you're disinterested as opposed to just uninterested, like you're actively like, oh, fuck, this is the most boring thing I have ever experienced. And that happens to people with ADHD a fair amount. Suddenly you're like, oh, shoot, I was just asleep. <laughs> How much time has passed? Um, that's not good. Um, not if you're supposed to be like watching something or standing somewhere like it's. So, yeah, right. Walk to the post office. I got distracted. Um, the first thing that impacts me on my walk to the post office is object impermanence. So object permanence is like when 
there's a few different ways you can explain it, but let's say you're playing peekaboo with a baby. You know when you cover your face and the baby looks genuinely curious where you've gone and then yeah. you expose your face and suddenly the baby's surprised you're there? Yeah. That's like a really good lay way to explain object permanence. It's like, if you can't see it, it no longer exists. So when you cover your face, a baby's like at a level of development where they're like, that human is gone. Right. And then when you show your face, they're like, wow, where did you come from? Right. Um, and obviously ADHD brains are far more developed than that. But there's this notion that like, if stuff isn't in your ken, like it's not immediately in your awareness, it is really hard for you to access because you're just, your brain does garbage collection so efficiently that if you don't need to know about it, your brain's like, don't even worry about that stuff. You've got to focus on the important stuff. So ADHD folks are really good at hyper-focusing, not necessarily great at focusing on lots of stuff all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So my walk to the post office would be like, well, what do I need to go to the post office? Um, what else do I need to do while I'm out of the house? Because it's going to be a lot of energy for me to get everything together, make sure I leave, quote unquote, on time or at any time. Um, so there's like a lot of small processes there. The first thing I would do is make a list. So I would go and look at my calendar and Google Calendar because you need a planner or a calendar. I would look at all the things that I need to do. I've got post-it notes all over my desk of various tasks and like tasks being broken down into smaller tasks and then lists of all the post-it notes. So I've got like a list of tons of tasks and then I've got various smaller lists of breaking each of those tasks down. So I might look at one that's like, oh, I need to go pick up something at Rona and I need to go and take this out to the post office. And how am I going to do that? Okay, I'm going to need to make sure I've got the bag of things to return to Rona. So I'll pick that up and I'll put it by the door on the way out. And I'll make sure that I write on the post-it notes, like grab this bag, like as one of the things on the note. Um, same thing with the post office. I need to make sure that I've got this thing um, in order to send the package. I need to get some tape. So I'm going to have to put that on the list. I'm going to have to have this list of everything. And then I'll rewrite it into one neat list and I'll stick it like near where the bags are by the exit in the hallway and if i don't do that like the chance that i'm going to remember to do everything while i'm out is like five percent well let me ask you this is there also a notion i'm curious is there also like mm -hmm. some fear that if you because i've gone out with a purpose and i've come back and not done the thing and i have some sure. other i've accomplished something else and part mm -hmm. of it's like damn it like i totally missed the mark on why i went out in the first place at the mm -hmm. same time like is there something within you that's saying like is there a fear of missing a piece or something yeah so that's a great question i used to feel that way really strongly and i don't so much anymore awesome yeah i used to have pretty intense anxiety about leaving the house to go to any kind of social visit because i was worried i would forget my jacket or i'd forget my wallet or i just forget something like really important and i had this intense fear around it and it would literally cause me to be late to things i would otherwise be on time for i would be like in the doorway with my shoes on being like wait i just need to do one more check to make sure i didn't forget anything and i wouldn't leave the house until my fear of the social embarrassment of being late exceeded my fear of uh -huh. like uh-huh yeah so, like, that anxiety had to exceed the anxiety holding me at home before I would go out. So I was just late to, like, 100% of my appointments. Yeah. Severely damaged my um, intimate relationship at the time, too. Yeah. She just was not in a place where she could appreciate where I was. It was sort of like being late was disrespectful to her, and it was right. just like a really... I shouldn't talk too much about it because she's probably still super pissed about it, but, like... Yeah. TLDR, it was a really bad time for both of us because I started feeling really ashamed that I couldn't just do this thing. Like, why is it so hard for me to just be on time? Like, I just have to leave five minutes earlier, and I would schedule five more minutes, and then I would still be four minutes late. And it was like, yeah. that would happen unless I was, like, two hours early. Like, <laughs> it had to be, like, completely divorced from the time, or if it was related to the time, I would just always be late. So... I was basically just like, can you just lie to me and like, tell me to be there like 15 minutes before you'll actually be there. Like, can we just do that? <laughs> right. Right. Like some amount of time so you're between 10 and like 15 minutes. Cause if it's the same amount of time, I would just learn that that was fine to be 15 minutes late. But if it was like some amount of time between five minutes late and 15 minutes late, then I'd be like, as soon as we hit five minutes late, I'd be like, Oh no. Like now when I leave, she might actually be there waiting for me. Oh. So, so it needed to be that like, anxiety of being late. Sorry, so go ahead. Kind of like this, like, like you're going to the post office and whereas there's, there's, 
it sounds like society's built for and humans are programmed to just sort of hey man you get up you put your pants on your shoes on you grab your keys you lock the door you bring the thing to the post office you come home whereas yeah. if it could be re-engineered to sort of acknowledge that there's actually a tornado happening right <laughs> prior to even opening the door sure right like right what would society look like in terms right. of social modifications in other words like or it sounds like human human understanding modifications or maybe there's some physical modifications i don't know um so that's a really good question um that's a really good point to make like there are those things that can change i'm kind of a, a neophyte in a lot of ways like i'm new to understanding my adhd i only got my diagnosis you know like a, a few, couple few months ago i'm still kind of processing i went down the rabbit hole recently and just like learned a lot about my adhd and like the ways that my um symptoms show up for me the modifications i've made physically at home are things like making sure everything's visible to me making sure everything's at the station I need to do the thing. Uh, some folks call this point of performance. It's like wherever you're going to perform a task, you need to have everything you need to do the task in arm's reach of the task. Otherwise, you're going to go to get a thing, get distracted. So it's like part of it is structuring the way your live your lived space functions. And the same is true at work as well. Making sure that everything you need to make coffee at the coffee maker is within reach of the coffee maker. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of places do this intuitively. We have um, we have stations at home. Like, Amazing. I have like I have a warm like we have a hat and glove station. We have like <laughs> a poop bag station. So, for the dogs, just yeah, to be clear. Like, right. Yeah. Or <laughs> not that there's any shame if it's not for the dogs. Listen, if I mean that'd be a good night. I wouldn't think, call that a bad night. But like, <laughs> um, you know, there's like a shelf over the laundry with like laundry stuff in it, like shampoo this and that and a lot of times like it's still sort of a mess on one of our levels like our lower level still a mess but yep. with the stations a every everything has a home and like my tool like i remember so my partner got us a shed and i went mm -hmm. in there and, like you know i hung up like the magnets and like i was like mm -hmm. you know geeking out on like like organization stuff and i hung up I, I magnetized all the tools that are just daily go-to's then we have an inside like the stations make it make life livable regardless mm. like we yeah, have a, like our, our it's vacuum, just less energy yeah like our vacuum attachments they're in a bin in a specific location because like, yeah otherwise you lose them when we live our lives we blow stuff up and then on the weekend yeah. we around and we're like wow what happened in here and like the stations serve as like like for me in my head, at least I know. Like, in, anyway, yeah, I hear you about the arms reach stuff. Like, I I yeah. reached the kitchen one day, so that the coffee stuff was near the coffee. The bar, the bar, anything with having to do with beer or wine was in one cabinet. Anything having to do with baking was in one cabinet. Because, I guess in my you have well you have a logistical mind. You have logistical. One hundred percent. So the two when you're thinking of like wow, if I just step two steps to the right. That's going to save me like a mile's worth of walking to get the coffee filters, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but to me, yeah. that's brilliance. And that is, that's higher thinking. And I just, I just come circle back to this, this, this compulsive conscientiousness that seem that you, that you're describing mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it could be that, you know, in certain circumstances, in certain arenas, that doesn't feel good as someone holding that diagnosis. But to mm -hmm. me, I mean, that's where there's so much value in all of that. Um, and and especially, I mean, you talk about stagehands, like they have to, you know, we're talking about your, right. we were talking about career shifts and, and, and working, you know, you working, exploring, working in theater and you, you landed it and stagehands, if you do not have your, your wires coiled neatly yeah. hanging, that's unacceptable. <laughs> and there's so, and the other thing is you're able to, you're able to dive deep into stuff. You're able to say, let me, I am interested right now in diving into what it means to have HDHD. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole and learn about 
this or yeah. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole and learn about crypto. Exactly. How else do you continue learning? I mean, you need that that utter passion and focus to dive down into those caves. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, it can definitely be an advantage in some respects. So yeah. part of it is, yeah. So part of it is just like designing your whole life around how do I play to my strengths mm -hmm. and support myself on the areas where I really do need support, like being able to see everything to deal with object permanence. And interestingly, that object permanence idea actually can hurt you in terms of relationships too, because oh. some people really feel a strong need to have regular contact. Other people, not so much. If you're friends with people who need regular contact and you have ADHD and you kind of have that object impermanence, you don't necessarily think about them all the time unless they show up in your life. So... <laughs> If they send you a text, you're like, oh, yeah, I love this person. I'm so happy this person's texting me. And you have, like, this really spirited conversation. Uh -huh. And then, you know, they start pulling away from you. They don't seem like they, you know, are as interested. And it's because they're kind of hurt that they're always the one to send the first text. And you're like, yeah. Oh, God. Because I have ADHD. Like, of course you're the one that usually sends the first text. Unless I'm specifically, like... Unless I'm prompted by something, like I'm walking past a coffee shop and I go, oh, you know who I'd really like to have coffee with sometime? Right. And I send a text right then and there. I'm literally just going to keep walking and see the next thing on the street and have immediately forgotten about that person. Yeah. And in the in the course of human relationships, I could see how that would be, um, A, hard to communicate that, hey, by the way. I just roll with things and you and you can pull me aside and I and I would appreciate that as opposed to like, yeah, I just mm, yeah. And then some other people are just really comfortable with that. They're comfortable not having that regular contact. Yeah. And what's happened is the kinds of humans in my life tend to be from the second category because mm. I'm 35 discovering I have ADHD. So I've spent the last like 15 adult years building friendships and friendships that required maintenance that I couldn't offer where they weren't understanding just failed. Oh my God. I have an idea. So you know how yeah. like Slack or an email, you can like send a message and program it to send later. Yes. Why not? Why can't we do that with texts or something like schedule huh. a text, like make a list, schedule a text with people that you love. And that way, in one sitting, you can just send hellos to people, but like later. And so you wouldn't have, you would have appeared <laughs> to be engaged with them. Right. You know, like. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Like to try to have like random prompts out of the blue to do like my Sunday setup where like I have an alarm and like a scheduled time in my calendar to set up times to send random texts to people so that they'll be like, Oh, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for texting yeah, me. That's the thing I, I could do. Yeah, no, there is such a, such a surprise in one's day when someone reaches out you haven't heard from, and they're like, I'm thinking of you. And you're like, oh, you know. <laughs> That's pretty funny where I would set it up and be like, I'm thinking of you on Sunday night and queuing this to send on Tuesday afternoons no, no, that you no. feel like I spontaneously thought of you on Tuesday. No, no, no. No, no, no. Just... You don't have to tell them. You don't have to give away how the sausage is made. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. And then when they text you back, you'll be like, holy crap, I love this person. You know, it's, it's about totally. attention. It has nothing to do with the, the, the yeah, you're in, you know about theater. You just create, <laughs> create an effect. Totally. I just wouldn't <laughs> want a person to think I was being disingenuous because I had queued things up in advance because I've. Well, if they know ugh. you well, if they know you well, they'll say, well, this is their way of doing, yeah. this, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Yeah, so part of it is part of it is setting up your space to get back to the original question, which was like, yeah. how would you change things? Part of it is just well, setting no, up your life and your space. I wanna I wanna emphasize, like I'm interested in how the people around you can, not you. Like I'm sure oh, you I see. kinds of like like um bumpers right. and safeguards for you. It's not like what are you doing? It's like how we were talking about how society is engineered right. for certain types of folks and, sure. and, and, and mental states. So this is going to sound really silly, but yeah. I think part of it's honest communication, like one, letting people know you have ADHD and then two, having them be understanding that you have ADHD. And I had a situation come up where I didn't know enough. I was sort of like, well, yeah, this is ADHD, but I didn't explain what that meant. Like a lot of people don't understand rejection, sensitive dysphoria 
um, a lot of people don't understand object permanence. So like I got told I was just like a narcissist for like not being the first one to send texts ever. And that I was like just this terrible person that was like, yeah, it was a really difficult experience for me. And I was like, well, geez, like I'm, that sounds like a super shitty experience. Like clearly my actions have had these like terrible impacts on you and you're like really upset about it. But that kind of devolved very quickly. And like, they didn't, they didn't really understand what ADHD was. So I would say for things other folks can do, it's like, if someone says they have ADHD, like you can just Google what sorts of things people with ADHD struggle with. And maybe even just ask the person and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, do you struggle with any of these? Yeah. And then the other thing you can do if you have ADHD is medication works for some people. Some people don't want to take meds. That's fine. But if you want to take meds, I encourage you to look into your options because we've come a long way since when I was a kid and they, wow, I am fucking old. Um, Since I was a kid and they just dosed me with Ritalin, um, we've come a long way to like slow release stuff and like options. And like, there's a couple of different families of drugs now. And like, you know, people are going to say all sorts of things about ADHD medication that it's, you know, that it's, they mischaracterize it as cocaine or like speed. And it's, it's none of that. Um, they mischaracterize it as crystal meth. It is related. It is a stimulant for sure, but like a mild stimulant is what most of the population is on all of the time because caffeine is a, you know, a stimulant and granted this Mm -hmm. is more than a mild stimulant, like ADHD meds, depending on how you're dosing them, like can be pretty intense, but you know, you're going to do this with a doctor you trust if you want to at all. If you don't want to, don't let anyone talk you into taking meds. Cause like I was pretty miserable as a kid taking Ritalin I didn't want to take. But now today I have much different tasks and demands and I am really embracing like what medication is going to look like. I haven't started taking it yet, but everything I've heard is like for some people, you know, this type of medication works a lot better or that type of medication. It's, it's going to be like any mental health med is my expectation as someone who hasn't done it yet. Um, like with escitalopram, you know, you start small, see if there are any side effects and slowly work your way up to a dose that works for you. And if yeah. it doesn't work for you, you discontinue. And I you... have a question for you. If there is like, yeah. if there is one attribute or condition or quality of ADHD that mm-hmm. you wish, in fact, everyone had more of, what would that be? I feel like many of the benefits are also drawbacks. Okay. Like one of the biggest benefits I think is being able to think laterally more effectively. And I would say more quickly, but again, these are just like my personal experiences with right. neurotypical people. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but typically people with ADHD can daydream faster, drift faster, drift harder and daydream further. And that's often said to be like a bad thing but it's like not if you're a creative yeah um so the thing i think i would wish that everyone would have rather than just have a world that is more creative which is definitely laudable in and of itself i would say hyper focus yes if you hyper focus you might not eat you might forget yourself you might spend 10 hours on wikipedia but if you've got this magic device a timer that is loud and jarring and you have like a backup timer for when you snooze your first timer that you put out of reach, you can do incredible feats of research on things you're really interested in and become incredibly knowledgeable about like random esoteric stuff that, you know, it might, you might actually be able to build something or think of something other people have never built or thought of. Mm. And that's, that's a really cool place to be when you're in like a flow state of hyper-focus and you're just like, yeah. Yeah. And you're like gunning it through research and you're just like, okay, well this isn't relevant. This is relevant. This isn't relevant. This is relevant. And you're just like hammering through papers and articles and you're just like soaking up all the information. And then, you know, you look and the the sun's down and you're like, is it dark already? Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, yeah, in my case, it could be like, you just didn't eat dinner and the sun's down and you're like, oh crap, like I'm going to have a serious migraine tomorrow because I'm not hydrated and I didn't eat dinner. Like I need to start taking care of my body again. So timers have become a really important thing. And then the other hack I learned was visual timers. A lot of these, there's so many good resources online. My God, I wish I had trusted YouTube sooner. I just like, because I have access to free healthcare up here at least mostly free healthcare most of the time, I'm like dead set on getting specialists to do everything. So it's like, oh, I have this issue with sleep. I'm just going to go see a sleep specialist for free. Oh, I have this issue with, you know, like 
severe intestinal pain, I'm going to go see a gastroenterologist. Um, You know, I'm going to just, I'm just going to see my GP and see what my GP thinks. Is this worth a referral? Oh, good. My GP referred me to a specialist and it's just all paid for because I'm Canadian and very fortunate. Um, Not everybody has that privilege, but in this case, I went and saw an ADHD specialist and got a formal diagnosis, but then the system didn't have any resources for me in my municipality. Just like nothing. They didn't even have group counseling, which some municipalities do. So basically, I was left in a situation where there were no free resources. And I was like, oh, well, this this hasn't really happened to me before, which is, again, like a moment where I'm like, holy shit, I'm so privileged. Um, but the resources on YouTube that are free are exceptional. Excellent. And like Excellent. The, pa- the Patreon groups, my God, there is a how to ADHD streamer that like produces content for people with ADHD. And like the Patreon alone racks in like 16,000 US a month for her. And I'm like, holy crap, did you build something very useful as a person with ADHD? Uh. And, like, she just, like, hyper-focuses on having ADHD, does metric crap tons of research, struggles with rejection-sensitive dysphoria, so, like, is a perfectionist about it, produces great videos that other people with ADHD absolutely love, and people with ADHD support the crap out of her because she deserves supporting. And as a result, she now has built this community of, like, people with ADHD that, like, know themselves better and are more functional because they have all these hacks that she's essentially just like not giving out for free exactly but yeah give it out for free so like go watch those videos they're really good videos i've been finding they've been helping me a lot that's amazing yeah this hyper focus um learn it, it, it reminds me there's a there's a it's 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 science fiction i suppose it's not now i think there is something that that exists but remember this um this this, this film with um ah where the guy takes a uh, he tries a pill and it and basically it enables him to use like 90% of his brain. Oh yeah, it's called limitless. Limitless. And so and there are of course drawbacks and blah 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 blah. But And he like uses it to sleep with women and yeah. I'm like that's what you do. I'm like wow, we really made this movie about a cis dude. But you know, I mean there is such there's such a, a launch that can happen with more information and and clar- and and that hyper focus that I don't know. I, I was like, I I would love two weeks where I could, I could build that little Rachel empire, you know, whatever that is. Sure. And stop, sure. and stop, sitting so still. Um, mm. So I think um, I love that. I love that. That um, I just love it. I, I'm a fan. I'm. I'm I, I, <laughs> obviously, if it could be bottled, I, I'm saying that I'd, I'd try it for like two weeks. Well, I hear um, I hear stimulants can be really good for neurotypicals who want to build empires. <laughs> yeah, I'm not suggesting you do any illicit substances. Right. I'm just it's saying. like the downside would be you feel like right. you're hang yourself. And, and there's there's always a downside. Right. So yeah. But... So TLDR: people with ADHD are just having a different but similar human experience. We all have the same brain. Our brains are just tweaked a little different and they function a little different and they like have similar but slightly different rules. There are and some it, things we're really good at doing. Some and things we're not our, so good at doing. If in our human Sorry, relations we could we could express things like I'm canceling our plans today because mm-hmm. <laughs> little thing, little tweaks, right? That could help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if you just notice your friend seems to be pretty sensitive or anxious, like being able to offer them that reassurance or just if you don't want to like advocate for them in a way that disempowers them like have a conversation with them be like hey i've noticed this thing is coming up and like i am making a choice to be more accessible to more people so whether this affects you or not i want you to know that i'm now going to try to give like um reasons or like caveats to like why i flake when i flake because like sometimes i just don't have the energy yep okay that's fair anyways that's my rant on adhd thank you for listening thank you for coming to my ted talk (laughs) It was, it was, it was, it was a journey. It wasn't a rant and, and it was super interesting and super eye opening. And, um, some of the things you're talking about, I would venture to say I do as well here and there. Um, we all, we all kind of have some of the traits, right? Yeah. It's really just a question of like, do these traits, are these traits like debilitating? Right. And then also there is a physiological difference in ADHD brains. Like there's a, there's a reason that we can take, you know, 
pretty intense stimulants at pretty small doses and we like function and then neurotypicals that take the same stimulants are like i just cleaned my house and wrote a grad paper and we're just like yeah fucked. (laughs) one of the tenets of homeopathy is and, and vaccines in general is like cures like so if you want to fight fire, you have to fight it with fire. <laughs> you know? I mean, I would just say that with vaccines, it's not that, like, cures, like, it's that being exposed to something helps you prepare for that thing. I don't personally subscribe to homeopathy, but I am a friend to naturopathy, if that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm a very science-minded person. It doesn't mean that I'm, like, throwing shade at right. people who don't share my worldview. I just wanted to put that out there. Put it out there. I, I accept It's it. out there. I, 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 I just, I really enjoy the way I, you have a, um, I don't know if you, if you know this, but you have a, um, a backbone. You know what I'm saying? Like, you... I make myself heard even when it's not popular. Well, that's fine too, but there is a backbone there. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I don't really know exactly what that means. It means you are, you have built a frame. You, you have built your ideas with, with, and you have invested in what you know. I, I have definitely, I feel very invested yes, in my worldview, which is invested in what you know. And so, um, you know, there's that. I, I also, I also constantly feel like being overly committed to any one position is not necessarily an advantage, but that also is like a central tenant, a tenet of science. Mm. Like having that flexibility, being willing to completely rewrite what you think, you know, because you always get new information. So, like, I'm staunchly invested in the philosophy of not being too staunchly invested. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Amazing. That's Again, great. thank you so much for coming and having the chat with me today, Rachel. Thanks for having me. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash intimate victor or tweet me at intimate victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at intimate victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victor salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes, or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>